In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. A blessed fourth Sunday after Pentecost to you, and also a happy Father's Day to all our dads. Oh yeah, double Father's Day for me. Yeah, thank you. Yes. David and Goliath, maybe the most famous story outside the stories in the Gospels uh, in all of Holy Scripture. And the victory of David over Goliath, you guessed it, is all about Jesus. It points to uh, the victory of Jesus over Satan, of which Goliath is a type. The victory of Jesus over sin, over the flesh, over the world, over death. A victory in which the church and her members share. The opening verses of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, Thank you, Mrs. Hahn, for reading that quite long Old Testament lesson. The opening verses of that chapter read like a screenplay of Braveheart. You have the Israelites and the Philistines are encamped, uh, each on a mountain uh, opposite one another with a valley in between. And Scripture says there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now that's about nine feet, nine inches. Now, full disclosure, I will tell you, I won't get too deep into the weeds on this. The Septuagint, which is an ancient Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament, uh, which was written before the time of Christ, uh, and was really the, the King James Bible, if you will, of the ancient world. It lists Goliath as four cubits in a span, which is six feet, nine inches. But That's neither here nor there. In any case, Goliath is a formidable opponent. He's huge. I mean, his coat of mail alone weighed over 125 pounds. The head of Goliath's spear weighed about 15 pounds. So next time you're at the gym, pick up a 15-pound weight. Imagine that being on the end of a stick and throwing it. So Goliath's stuff weighs more than David does. And Goliath comes out and he makes a challenge. One-on-one basketball. No, he, he, he says, choose a man. If he fights me and kills me, then we'll be your servants. But if he loses, you will be our servant. And morning and evening he would come out. Here it is, for 40 days. Coincidence? I think not. Challenging, prodding, mocking. The scripture says that when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Saul cowers in fear, because, which is interesting because if anyone was up for the challenge, it would have been Saul. I mean, he was a head taller than any man in Israel. He was a, a mighty warrior. But the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, had departed from him. Enter David. Now, David's three eldest brothers were in the army. They were on the front lines. But David had been sent back home, and he was tending his father's flock. And so Jesse, his father, sends him to Israel's camp with provisions for his brothers. And and his reaction to Goliath's taunt uh, is is not one of fear. Uh, He's bewildered by the reaction of Saul and his countrymen. His reaction is one of faith 
and one of righteous indignation. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, David's eldest brother, uh, Eliab, mistakes his confidence in God for pride. But David, uh, knowing the power of God and having God's Spirit upon him, is in essence saying, if God be for us, who can be against us? This then is not cockiness on David's part. It's not youthful naivete. It's faith in the Lord. Listen again briefly. When David is summoned before Saul, because word of his words, his confidence in God reaches Saul. So Saul says, let me talk to David. Listen to what he says, noting the utter faith and trust that he has in Almighty God. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. As an aside, out tending the sheep, God had been preparing David in obscurity for such a time as this. And God's presence and his provision and his power in the past had given David confidence in the presence. David did not invoke a God of whom he was ignorant, but rather one whom he knew intimately one whom he adored and trusted implicitly. It's a common practice in Scripture, uh, especially amidst uh, trial and tribulation, to recall the mighty acts of God. We we see this in the Psalms. We see it throughout Scripture. We see it when Israel returns, uh, when Judah returns from exile. To amidst present suffering to recall the character of God and His faithfulness to us thus far. So what battles are you fighting? Look to God's faithfulness in the past and draw confidence that God will continue to be faithful today and tomorrow. So David armed only with a staff, a sling, and five stones. He can face the giant and say, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So David, one shot, one kill. He doesn't even need the other four stones. He takes the one stone in his sling and he hits Goliath right in the forehead right where he's exposed. And it's interesting, the language that as the God of the Philistines, Dagon, 
fell on his face and broke before the Ark of the Covenant, so did Goliath fall down dead. And then David goes and he stands on top of Goliath and he takes the sword of the giant and he cuts off his head. And God said to the serpent, Genesis 3, He, that is Jesus, will crush your head. The victory of David prefigures Christ's victory over sin, death, and Satan. As Jesse, David's father, did send his son to the battlefield, so did the father send his only begotten son into the world so that he might save the world. As David left the sheepfold, so did Christ leave the 99, that is, the heavenly host, to seek and save that which was lost. The staff which David took up points to the cross. The stone which he flung at Goliath points to Christ, who is the rock, who is the chief cornerstone, who is in the vision which Daniel interprets in the book of Daniel, the stone made without hands that conquers all other kingdoms. As David crushed the head of Goliath, so did Christ crush the head of the serpent. So did he defeat Satan. And as David fought and won a great victory on behalf of Israel, and they benefited and they participated in David's victory, so did Christ win the great victory on our behalf, on the cross, on behalf of, those, of all those who believe in him. David conquered by the power of Christ, armed with his faith, his trust in Almighty God. And it is by the power of Christ that we conquer the world, the flesh, and the devil. We share in the victory of Christ by putting on Christ. But I think sometimes we need to take a step back and remember that we are indeed engaged in a battle, that we are engaged in a struggle against our own flesh, against the world, against Goliath, that is Satan and his demons. David was anointed as king. The Spirit came upon him, and then he went into battle against Goliath. Jesus was baptized. The Spirit descended as a dove upon him. He was anointed as Messiah. And then he did what immediately after that? He went into the wilderness for 40 days to do battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we were baptized, the Holy Spirit was given to us. In confirmation, we are anointed and empowered, and we enter the wilderness of this present age to do battle, to implement in the power of the Spirit the achievement and victory of Jesus won at Calvary. Brothers and sisters, we are not yet in the promised land. We are in between the ages. And in this in-between, as it were, we wrestle 
with principalities and powers. And only when we come to terms with the fact that we are engaged in battle, that there is men who are coming to the men's study, hopefully on Saturday, reading the screw tape letter, that there is indeed a battle for our souls. Only when we understand that can we properly and therefore consciously fight against temptation. Because I think, especially in our modern materialist milieu, we can fall into this, this trap, and I've been there, of just sort of having this vague desire to be a better Christian and, and just hoping that God zaps me one morning and I, I just, I'm just kind of there without taking into account by the Spirit, not, not in your own power, but by the Spirit, taking into account your thoughts and your words and actions. I mean, are we praying against our besetting sins? Are we praying for the virtues and practicing them in the power of the Spirit? Are we taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ? Are we putting on the armor of God in prayer by reading and meditating upon Scripture, by faithful participation in the sacraments? Let me just give you an example real brief, it's not exhaustive, of what this would look like. Let's say your struggle, one of your struggles, is your tongue. It's not my struggle. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But maybe it's your struggle. When, when you say things you shouldn't, say maybe it's taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, what are we to do? Well, of course, we should, we should ask for forgiveness. We have to say this in our household uh, often. If I won't say which daughter it is, but you'll be able to guess. We hear o OMG set out. I'm like, when's our third commandment? You know, and she'll be like, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> it's actually really cute. Well, then you ask for forgiveness. Perhaps then in doing battle against your tongue, which James says, no man, no man can tame. Perhaps you meditate upon a verse like James 1.19, which says, let every man be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then ask God to help you become that man or that woman who is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Ask God to give you self-control, to give you the virtue of temperance. To practice the spiritual discipline of silence to receive the sacrament in a spirit of re repentance and humility and awe as the medicine that it is, the medicine for our weary souls. In other words, we have to put on the armor of God, which is Christ himself. We have to put on the armor of God and fight. The victory of David over Goliath points to the victory of Jesus over Satan, over sin, over flesh, over the world, over death. And we, the members of the church, can share in Christ's victory by virtue of our union with Jesus given at baptism if we take up the weapons which David took up. That is, if we put on the armor of God, which is Christ himself. 
So brothers and sisters, whatever it is, whether you're facing your own self, whether you're facing uh, struggles or difficulties in life, suffering that's uh, external to you, the circumstances of being a human being, enter the fray and say from your heart, in confidence in the one who's bigger than any storm, the one that even wind and waves obey, the one through whom all things were made. Enter the fray and say from your heart, Satan, you come at me with fear and anxiety and darkness and deception, but I come in the power of the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord.